Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. So I happened to call thinking I'm going to get Bonnie instead of Doug so I could talk to her because I thought he'd be, you know, way out. And um, he answered. Just like I talked to you in the lanai, that's how he talked to me. And as we began to talk, he said, what's going on in your life, Stan? I told a little bit, mostly about you all, actually. And then um, he said, "Um, you know what's happening to me? I said, that's why I'm calling. He said, you know, and he went through the story I just told you. And then he spent the next 20 minutes with such peace, such joy, that just, that rolled off his tongue, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, rolled off his tongue, without any denial, without any candy coating, like I need to say the right thing, sin management stuff, it was all real of his love for the Lord. The one truth he said that stuck with me, and I pray I never forget this, he says, you know, sometimes God does things we call suddenlies. I said, huh? He said, a suddenly. A suddenly is when you're going through life and suddenly something hits you that's so severe, so dramatic, and may never be changed apart from a miracle of God. That's a suddenly in your life. Have you ever had a suddenly? He had a suddenly when he got out of bed and he couldn't talk very well. That's his suddenly. I don't know that his suddenly is going to change until he's with Jesus and it may be only a matter of months. But he had a suddenly. But even in the midst of that suddenly in his life, he could still give joy. He could see purpose. And the only prayer he asked when I asked, what what can I pray for you? He said, here's what I'd like you to pray. And I told him I'm going to tell you today too. He said, I'm going to go to church. I hadn't been there last week. I'm going this week. Most of the people probably don't know. It's a mega church. And he says, but those that that don't know, they're going to see my head shade, the scar over here. I'll wear a cap. And he says, and I have to explain, and it will be a complete shock because two weeks ago I was as normal as they were, and now I'm facing this right now. And I want to have some kind of ministry to reduce their shock, to give God the glory, and just let them know we're going to go on this journey, and it's going to be something good. Now, I could tell you more about that, but that's an illustration of the biblical verse here that I just read to you. Let's go back to it with that story in mind. Here's what it says, verse 92. If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. Now, the perishing doesn't necessarily mean the death part, but it does mean emotionally you shut down. Socially, who would want to go to church two weeks after you had the surgery with a scar like this and everybody's going to talk to you, fearing everybody's going to pity you, and you want to go to show the wonderful grace of God to anybody who might listen to you in such a measure. So he was not perishing is my point. He was very much alive, yea, probably more alive than ever because all that he had during the time of hearing messages like this, he embraced the delighting in the Lord. And he could say, I would have perished if I didn't delight in him. Another verse. <clears throat> Go to 143 now, 143. So you meditate on God's word because you delight in his word so that when you go through the times of affliction, you won't perish. Verse 40, 143 says, Trouble and anguish have come upon me, yet your commandments are my delight. What happens when people go through major relational breakdowns, major job changes and problems? What do they do? They abandon their word. They they begin to quit. Why me? Why this? Why now? They go after God when this thing happens. And what he's saying basically is all this has happened to me and it's just given me greater delight in his word. How beautiful this is. Yet your commandments are my delight. I don't care what you do externally. Your word never changes. You never change. And I'm going to hang on to that. 174. Verse 174, last one on Psalm 119. He says, I long for your salvation, O Lord, 
and your law is my delight. Now, he doesn't mean to get saved like I'm going to be saved right now. I long for your salvation in the sense that I want to get out of this life and I want to be with you. I long for this complete, total, holistic salvation experience physically and socially and spiritually. I long for it from you, Lord, because I delight in your word. Now, my folks, I cannot um, give you an appetite for God's word. I hope I'm salting you right now so you get thirsty for God's word. But I pray that you get into God's word. Now, let's go a little bit further now. The next phrase says, meditates. This person, he finds great joy, intently abiding in his word. He delights in the word. He loves to hear it, read it, study it, memorize it, but also meditates on it day and night. Meditates on it day and night. Now, they didn't have a lot of written word back then, so a lot of it was oral tradition. But what they did here, they would meditate on it. How many of you have a difficult time meditating? Would you just raise your hand? I won't ask you to say anything, but how many of you have a difficult time meditating? Would you raise your hand? Okay. I'd like to submit this to you in a different way. I think all of us are really good meditators. And I imagine that all of you do meditate probably very frequently. In fact, some of you probably have been meditating um, periodically throughout this sermon and maybe even last night as you were in bed and you didn't even know that you're meditating. How did that happen? When you worry about something, you are meditating. What? When you worry about something, worry means it's an attitude that you have when you begin to think about negative things or negative consequences, the fear of failure, the fear of the future. And when you start thinking about that, as you're thinking about that, then what happens then? You begin to worry. And how did that mechanism all happen? You thought, you placed your mind on that, you kept your mind on that, and it produced worry. That thing of keeping your mind and thinking about that is called meditation. The end product of that is worry. Now, you do the same thing about positive things. God is large and in charge. He's near and dear. He is the great I am. He is very present in my life, that he can do anything that he wants and it's okay he already loves me I have my salvation it's by faith alone he cannot take it away I'm forever his and I start thinking about that it takes all my problems doesn't remove them but they appear so much smaller because all of a sudden with my meditation on God he became bigger in my life not that he actually became bigger he appeared bigger in my life because I meditated on him so the mechanism between both of those is something you and I do every day which is think about those things the choice is the object the choice is the object so we are to meditate. And what does it say in this verse? Look, look at the verse. Look at the verse. It says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't have a job. It doesn't mean he couldn't do the things that he had to function in life, eat, take showers or baths or whatever they did, clean his clothes, take care of his family, whatever. But in his law he meditates day and night. That means the law was so much on his mind that he thought about it, thought about it, and thought about it. Now, to do that, you have to listen to it. To do that, you have to read it. To do that, you have to study it. To do that, it'll help you if you don't have your Bible or your smartphone with you. You have to memorize it. To do that, you have to think about all that you did take into your life. So put it all around you, whether it's in your CD that you listen to, good sermons or whatever. You're going to read the Word. Everything is Word-based. Now, watch this now. But in the center of my hand is going to be my palm, and that's what we apply things with. And so I need to take God's word. If I really want this word to change me, it's not how much I know of God's word. It's how much I know and do. I'm blessed like this man was if I know it and do it as well. Let's go back to the outline. All right, the contrast between the promise. I love this. This will go a little bit more quickly, but watch how it goes. This person who's word-based, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither in whatever he does and in whatever he does, he prospers. So here's a, 
maybe five words to fill in here. This verse tells me that this person who's a word-based person is going to be stable, like a tree firmly planted. You know what's interesting? Here on the island, have you ever noticed how rare it is that a palm tree blows down? Have you ever noticed that? Isn't that rare? Now, let me tell you, the roots don't go very, very deep, but they go into such areas that suck up all that they need, and they're able to even bend with the problems, but they still are strong. They're still very, very stable. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which now means this. That means you're not going to be up one day, down the next. You're not going to be, I've got to go here, got to go there. You're not going to be a person that people are going to have a hard time following you because every day what you want to do and what your goals are and how you act, your moods and everything else changes all over the place because the word of God is like a rock. Jesus is like a rock and all of that means stability. And if I'm in that which is stable, then I'm going to be stable myself and I won't be all over the map. So maybe if you're all over the map, it could be that somewhere along the line there's a, 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 not a consistent connection to God's word. The second is we're going to be refreshed. It says by the streams of water refreshed. This is really interesting because I thought, okay, in a lot of desert, occasionally you have a wadi, which is like a stream. It's kind of a crevice in the rocks, kind of goes up. The water's up in the mountain, kind of dribbles down to the lower level, which might be the Dead Sea. And along that little wadi is going to be a bunch of trees and things that are growing, which I think that's very accurate if I want to look at that. But there's also, it says streams, and it's not so much, they're like little rivers, it says. All right, so what are little rivers? And I got thinking, in our culture, what would be a little river? Here's what a little river is for us. I don't know that you can see this, but I encourage you, when we leave church here and you go outside, walk down the Dowsett, but stay up against our property right on, the, right on the sidewalk. And when you do, right at the edge of our property, you're going to see a fence and a tree line. When you do, just stand right there on the sidewalk, you'll know the edge of our property. When you do, you're going to see a tiny little stream. And that water's coming now. It's like a babbling brook that's in a little concrete, little culvert that's here. You're going to kind of see it until it goes literally through the house. The house is built on top of this stream. And then it kind of comes right through here, comes right in here, dip, dips out in the Nuana stream and back out to the ocean. I'm telling you that for this reason. Because Hawaiians, two or three hundred years ago, they had so much taro patches over here in the flatlands that when the water would come down the poly, they would then begin to cut out these little crevices, these little trenches, these little rivers, and they would water their, their plants. They would water the taro patches. And literally, there's a network of these all over the Nuwana area that's here. Now, you will find, this, this is what's so weird to me, the Nuwana stream has backed up, flooded, and flooded out our building here, but those streams never flood. They never, when it's raining, I, they're right outside my window. So I'm looking out there, is it going to flood? There's nothing, it's all the same because of the network to get the water out. But all along that, things would grow. Now, why am I telling you that? Those of you that sometimes feel that you're a dry point in your life, maybe with a relationship, maybe with your health, maybe with your agedness, maybe with your youth, maybe you're going through some boring times on your job, you're just feeling famished, you're just feeling kind of lost and empty and lonely and all alone, let me tell you, you get into God's Word. You meditate on God's Word. You put the Bible down, but you take the Bible in your heart with you, and you think about this, and I promise you, on the authority of God's Word that cannot lie, you will have this sense of a life. You'll have this sense of refreshment that goes on. You'll sense something different after you've been in God's Word and you've stayed in God's Word that'll change you from the inside out. I promise you this. And now it's just to do it day and night. So you might get it for a little bit. That's like taking one little sip of water when you're thirsty. 
You gulp this down in the morning, you gulp it down in the evening, I'll tell you, you will feel constantly refreshed and strengthened by it. Then it says fruitful, which yields its fruit in its season. That's kind of like an outward thing. You know, the fruit is big, chunky, and you can eat it. A lot happens, a lot of pizzazz with that. But the next word is the word enduring, and its leaf does not wither. Its leaf does not wither. When I think of a little leaf, a little leaf is really what? It, it might do something with the photo stuff that goes inside the plant, but leaves aren't that. You take all the leaves off the tree, it'll die. I get that. But there's not a lot. I don't eat leaves, maybe bay leaves and some Italian food, but I don't really eat leaves, okay? But I do eat fruit, and I thank all of you that bring the fruit and put it on those trays for us to come and eat. Thank you all for doing that. Come back with this. Some of you are going to be shooting stars on your job, in the ministry, even in your family. All around you, people are going to sit back and say, wow, why can't I have that? Why, do, why does it seem like they just, they just burst forth with all of that good stuff all around them? And you might be just a little leaf. It doesn't really matter whether you're a piece of fruit or a little leaf. What does matter is that you have leaves which says you're alive and fruit that says that you're productive. And you'll only have, only have that as you abide in his word. Then it talks about prosperous, and whatever he does, he'll prosper. And I'm giving you enough verses to, for you to know now that it doesn't mean you're going to get rich. It's not health and wealth. But there is a sense of prosperity inside of you. Can I go back to my friend Doug that I spoke about a moment ago? On the Internet, what I'm seeing now are pictures of Doug playing some games with his grandkids. I saw the latest picture of a grandchild that's crawled up on his chest. He's in his lazy boy chair with this ugly scar shaved off part of his head. And the grandchild is just, just snuggled all up with him. Do you think Doug cares about how his investments are going right now? Do you think he cares if he has a Lexus or an old beach car? He's prospering right now with those that are around him. And how special that is. What's a worldly person like? Well, it goes on to say, the wicked are not so. In the Hebrew it says, and are not so the wicked. Emphasizing at the beginning of the word, the phrase, not so. The wicked are not like this. They're not like this in character. They're not like this in destiny. They are just not so. They may look so, but they're not so. But they are like chaff which the wind drives away. That's an interesting phrase. That tells me they're unstable. That means they're going to just blow with the wind, wherever the wind takes them, wherever they want. They, 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 there's no real direction and purpose in their life. They, their life seems to look like it's got purpose, but it really doesn't. has no substance. It's basically chaff is, they don't even feed chaff to animals. It's just, it's worthless stuff that kind of falls off the little piece of grain. And they do it in such a way, usually up a little bit higher where the wind is blowing. Those of you that live up a valley, you know where the wind is blowing. And so they'll take it after they get the grain and they kind of stir it around a little bit and they literally throw it up. And when they do, the grain is heavier than the chaff and the chaff kind of goes on the outside of the grain. But it's at a certain time that it's now getting ready to separate. So when they throw it up, the grain drops. The chaff then with that motion of movement then flies off and the wind then blows it away so they can clean up the grain that they have because they keep throwing it up in the air and letting the chaff keep blowing and the chaff is used for nothing. Why am I telling you that? Those of you that choose not to be word-based, you're like the chaff. You offer no influence, no usefulness to those that are around you and you will be driven away in obscurity. You might have a building named after you but when it's all said and done, lives won't be changed watch this for eternity they will not stand in judgment they'll be failing 
or in the assembly of the righteous, you'll be separated. Those that are not word-based, they will eventually, you will see them, they will drift away from the assembly of righteous people. They'll blame righteous people, they'll blame the assemblies, those that are God-believers, so to speak, Christ followers, and they'll just say, I can do better away from the assembly, and they get separated, and it's like cutting your finger off. If you don't put it back on real quickly and have it stitched properly and get the right blood flowing, the body won't die. No, we won't die, but you will. You'll wither away. For the Lord knows those who are righteous. I could almost say the word person, word-based person is, is a wonderful person known by the Lord. And in the Greek, it means the Lord is knowing this person. It's an ongoing thing. He knows fully now and he continues to know the way of the righteous and he knows your way. Those that are worldly-minded, he doesn't mean he doesn't know anything about you, but you don't have that intimacy with him. So I say it's kind of like an unknown thing. You do not know him intimately, experientially. He doesn't know you. You don't have that connection that you and I have right now. And, but the way of the wicked will perish. Your lifestyle will perish. I, and it may happen on your deathbed when you look back and you say, what have I really done for eternity? And so maybe not you perishing, but all that you held on to, you look at it and it's just, it's just gone. I've seen this happen to a man who's been a, a, a mighty shooting meteor in Christian leadership with his own international ministry. He so much wants to pass it on to his kids that he's basically has given the ministry to his kids, his two sons. Neither of his sons walk with the Lord. One of them is a, is a card-carrying scoffer of God. And I'm watching this man give the ministry to the kids because they see a cash cow in there somewhere. And eventually that's all not going to be there. I grieve for this man. All he has left is what God might have given him in heaven as a reward, but it's gone. So may I just end with those of you that are here today. Would you embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior as he is revealed in God's word as the Lord God Almighty? Would you embrace what he says that to have eternal life, it's only by believing in him? Will you embrace all of scripture that says that to go to heaven you have to be perfect, but you're not? Would you embrace the teaching that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's His mercy? Would you embrace that by simply trusting in Christ as the Lord who died for you and rose again, believing that truth, believing Him, that you'd have everlasting life? Would you also believe that if it's truth enough that it's by faith alone to trust in Him, that the rest of the scriptures that tell us about how to walk with Him now, that they're also truth, and just as much as you want Him as your Savior, you want Him as your Lord? And you're willing to do what he tells you to do through his written word and the power he's given to you for the motive of love and glory to him. Will you do that? I'm going to tell you then your reward is great now and in the future at the judgment seat of Christ. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment? Some of you that um, have not accepted Christ as your personal savior, I pray that you would today. We're not asking you to be a Baptist, a Methodist, or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. What we are presenting before you is that Jesus died and he rose again and that if you place your faith in him, your sins would be forgiven. And by those sins, they would be past, present, and future. And those sins could be anything from the worst sin you could possibly imagine that you've done or would do. He's paid the sin debt for you. But that doesn't mean even though your ticket to heaven has been provisionally paid for by Christ, that you're going. Now you need to make the choice. You need to see yourself 
as, as lost that cannot save yourself and you're desperate now for him as your savior. So will you now place your faith? You may not know all the word. You may not know everything about the Bible, but you can place your faith in Jesus Christ who said, he that believes on me has everlasting life. If you believe him, do you really believe him? A God who cannot lie. Then would you trust Christ as your savior right now? That's your first step in being a word person, a God's word person. I'd like to pray for you so every every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe today, this year, this month, this Sunday, you want to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, just like I was at 16, where that night after the youth meeting, after it was shown to me in God's word, I placed my faith alone in Christ. My life has never been the same. It has not been a life without problems, but it has been a life with a very present problem solver in it. Would you trust Christ as your Savior? You might just say, Lord, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you that Jesus Christ paid my sin debt for me on the cross. I I just want to thank you that I now have eternal life with you because of what you've done. That's an act of faith. You're thanking him for something you already believe you have. That's how much faith it is, that little bit, if you do it correctly. So is there anyone in here today that's trusted Christ as your Savior today? You've never done it before, and you'd like for me to pray for you. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and that's it. I'm not going to have you stand up, come forward. I'm not going to come to you. I will not mention your name or describe you in my prayer. I will just say thank you. And then when I pray for you, it'll be a very general prayer. But I want to know if you've trusted Christ as your Savior. So the head's bowed and eyes closed so no one would be embarrassed. If you're trusting Christ as your Savior, would you? Never done it before. You're doing it now. Never done it before. You're doing it now. Would you trust Christ as your Savior? And now you'd like for me to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand? Put it up, put it down. Anyone at all? Anyone? Okay. Christians, how about you? While I close in prayer, would you seek the Lord now and to see what you might need to do to work on your delight in the Word? Sometimes your delight's not going to bring you to the Word. Just simple responsibility of getting in the Word will. But when you get into the Word with a heart turned toward Him, all of a sudden that delight starts taking over. I can remember times when Carol would say, are you hungry, Stan? I said, not, not really. She said, well, it's supper time. Well, okay, I'll, I'll eat something. And so she'll put it in front of me. And I'm not two or three bites in there, and I've made the comment. I didn't realize I was that hungry. You know, we do it with food. Maybe some of you, I'm putting it out in front of you saying, I know you're not real hungry right now, but go ahead and eat. Go ahead. It's, it's here. Go, go ahead and eat. And when you do, you might realize how hungry you really were and how good it really tastes. And how important it is to go back again and again and again and again. Oh, my friend, begin to do that. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and that it's been preserved. And that we thank you for the men and women and perhaps even boys and girls who gave their life so that the word of God would be preserved as it was tried to be extinguished in one civilization or one culture or the other. And that we have now so many copies of Scripture 
It's everywhere. Maybe there's just, it's, it's like we, we live in a grocery store and so we, we just never go after it any longer. And I pray, Father, that we will. That we'll pull down our scripture off the shelf and begin to read it and meditate in it and think about it. Father, if, if we would do that individually, I can only imagine what this church could look like the people we could help, the lives that would be changed, the young people that would have a value system that would be so powerful that their influence as the next generation leaders would be global. So Lord, help us to start one person at a time meditating in your word. In your precious name we pray. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,